There's a blessing in serving Jesus that you won't get anywhere else. It doesn't come to you in life in any other form than serving Jesus. It's a wonderful life where, you know, that old old Christmas movie, was it, It's a Wonderful Life or What a Wonderful Life or something. You don't understand that's not where life is. Life is in Christ Jesus, wonderful living life, good Savior of ours. Hallelujah. Getting an early start this morning, so we're probably going to get an early ending for those of you that um, don't like too long of preaching. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll get done when the Spirit of the Lord tells us to stop. How about that? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you get your scriptures out this morning? We're going to look in the book of Luke at a very familiar um, setting. We've read it over and over. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard this talked about. In fact, you don't have to be in church to hear this talked about. Because a lot of people make mention of this. and Just one of those things that Jesus said and did. Luke, the 20th chapter. And we'll begin reading on the 20th verse. And watching carefully, talking about the chief priests, scribes, Pharisees. And watching carefully. They sent spies pretending themselves to be righteous in order that they might seize upon a word of his so as to deliver him to the power and to the authority of the governor, which was Pontius Pilate. And they questioned him saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly and do not Receive a face, but you teach the way of God with truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Really, really good question right there. Verse 24, but perceiving their slyness, he said to them, why do you tempt me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and superscription does it have? And they answering said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Then render the things of Caesar to Caesar, and the things of God to God. And they were not able to lay hold of his speech before the people, and marveling at his answer, they were silent. You've all heard this story. It's an event that happened, and we're going to try and elucidate on it a little bit this morning, kind of expand it a little bit, see some things that are in there that that possibly will help us. I want to title this morning, because of this, I want to title it this way, Give to God What Belongs to God. Give to God what belongs to him. And Lord, we just ask you now for an anointing. We ask you that as we speak, that you will use us, Lord, as a vessel and servant before you, but an anointing. Lord, something that is above just the natural may touch us this morning. 
May we teach with an anointing. May we hear with a reception and anointing in our life to hear the word of God. Put some things in place in our life. Lord, as you're building the church, you continue to build us. And you're building the church in the general, in the whole, but you're building the church individually also. We ask you this morning, Lord, lay something in our heart today, and we'll thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. 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 God got some things on loan, and he wants them back. He wants them back. I have, and forgot to bring this morning, but I have a little copper, I call it a denarius, but usually it's the silver coin that's a denarius. It has the superscription of Caesar Augustus on it. The little coin is 2,000 years old. It was minted between somewhere, well, before the year 18 when uh, Caesar Augustus died. But it was from Spain, and so it wouldn't have been handled in Judea, but it was the Colonia uh, Patera, Pateria, and it was Spain, Spanish. But I've got it. Forgot to bring it this morning. But the Lord used this same little coin, and it had different stamps, different areas, different colonies, had different, different stamps, different features on it. But it was the same little coin that he used to draw up this, this great truth that I want to help to try to bring this morning. And using this coin, he, he brought out, so isn't that just like the Lord? He knows how to take something and, and, and make it an obvious fleshly thing, but then turn it into a spiritual truth. And so that is exactly what he did with this. And and uh, he, he, he took something natural and made it spiritual. And, and so let me just work on this word render just a minute because the King James Version will say render unto Caesar. So that's a statement that's made even in the world, render unto Caesar. And what the word render is, is not necessarily just to give, but it's to give back. It's to return something that already belonged to somebody else. In other words, it's possibly out on lend to you, loan to you. Um, when we pay our loans on our cars and our houses and, and all those things, they already own the car. You're paying the loan on it. You're giving back to them. They have fronted the money, and now you're giving back to them. They have the original money. This is the render, renders the Greek word, apodate which means to give back and to return it. If we look at this sense uh, of what Jesus is saying here to them, they bring the coin, render or give back to the source from which it came. And I think we see that clearly if, if we look at what he continues to say, not just to Caesar, but give back to God what is his. See, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein already belong to God. It's already His. Everything's on loan to us. Bless the Lord by His goodness, we walk on His earth. We are not self-made people. 
We don't have some, some source of our own, but every breathing thing is alive by his creative power. And what every breathing thing owes back to him on the return or giving back to God what belongs to him, every breathing thing owes to him, the scripture puts it this way, let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. So if you're sucking down his good H2, or excuse me, his oxygen, not water, but oxygen, and you're sucking that down 22,000 times a day, you owe him a praise this morning. You just owe it to him. Render it back to him. Give it back to him. Listen, you praise him with an exhale. Do you ever think about that? You speak with an exhale. You don't speak when you're taking breath in. You've already breathed the breath when you're giving praise back to him. It's already come into your lungs. It's already surging through your body. And when you exhale that exhaust of that, you exhale and say, praise the Lord. Everything that has breath owes him the praise this morning for using his good air. Only a fool would think that he has some source of his own. Where are you getting oxygen from? Do you have your own source somewhere to get your own personal oxygen? I don't think so. I think it comes from the Lord God who breathed into mankind the breath of life, and that is the source of our breath. Can you say amen? The only true, everlasting, existing God, Yahweh, he expects a return on what he gives. I'm going to talk about something this morning that becomes very clear to me when we look at this issue. God expects something back. Now, we've said for a long time, I've even mentioned this myself, that real true giving you don't expect anything back. And I understand that when we, when we give to somebody, real true giving is not expecting them to give back. And Jesus said, when you throw a dinner, he said, don't just invite those people who are going to invite you back to their home, but go in a highway and byway and get those that can't pay you back. And I understand that kind of giving. I understand that that's what we need to do as Christian people. But I want to give you some examples of the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 25, we found that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man who went away to accept the kingdom. He was a powerful man, and he gave to his servants certain obligation. He gave to one, he gave him five talents. And to another, he gave three talents. And to another, he gave one. And it said, according to their abilities to do with those talents. And they were to put those to work. And when he returned, and we're talking about the kingdom of heaven now, and when he returned, the master or the Lord demanded what they did with those talents that he had given them. He didn't like the idea of the one man wrapped the talent up and gave that talent back to him and said, Lord, here's your talent back. No, he expected a return on what he had given. See, this is the way God is. In Luke 19, it's the same thing. He gives one talent to each man, and one man, he put it to work and came back with ten talents, and another man came back, he put it to work with 
five talents and another man with just one again. And one of the things that God mentions in his scripture is that he cuts down unfruitful trees. God expects a return on what he does. So that's kind of weird. You know, I never really thought about that, that, that God in his giving expected anything out of us. So I'm going to preach on that for just a little bit because herein is the difference between the love God gospel and the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's this thing surging through the world. It's the love God gospel. And the love God gospel is a little different than the biblical standard gospel. And what this love God does is he gives with no strings attached. He's just a giver. He doesn't care. He doesn't expect anything out of his followers. He's just a giver. And this love God will just give. And given he gives equally to everyone and requires nothing back in return. Now, I watched Friday night. I watched a whole program. I just wanted to see it. They were, they were worshiping the love God. And it was on Christian TV. And what they were doing was worshiping this love God. And this God that they worship, it is familiar with the Christian worship. It looks like Christian worship. It sounds a little bit like Christian worship. Not much, but it has some earmarks of Christian worship. But the one they are worshiping, and I said this a few weeks ago, and I hold to that this morning, the difference between religions is the definition of who their God is. I'm not here to preach you an abstract God this morning that he's going to fit whatever you want him to be. That he's going to change and morph into culture. And he's, he's going to just, just be that person that you need him to be in your life. God is who he is. He's going to stay as he is. And this God, he requires that you and I react when he gives to us that we give back to him. The love God is in opposition to all conditional clauses. The love God chooses this prefix, un. Unmerited favor. Unconditional love. When the God of the Bible uses the conditional clauses, if, 1,500 times in Scripture... See, the love God says, do what you do. I love you. It doesn't matter. And this view of God as being this, this passive lover of men because they are his creation, he couldn't possibly turn them into hell. Well, I will tell you this this morning. It's not God's will that any should perish, but it is God's will that all should come to repentance. So we look at this, this, this first chapter of, of our first book of Corinthians, the sixth chapter and the ninth verse. Let me read this to you. This comes not from the love God, and you won't hear this preached from the love God people. They don't stand on this scripture very much. In fact, they don't believe it is scripture. They believe that it's somehow just fixed into the culture of the early church. But let me read to you what God thinks. And then we'll go from there. Do not deviate from the correct path. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, 
And that word fornicator comes from the root word porn. So I'm going to have to add on to it neither fornicators or pornography people, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate men, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor coveters, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's the God of the Bible statement. That's something that that appeases him. That's by his word and his will. Now listen to this part. Verse 11 says, and some of you were these things. Hmm. And we look at our life and what I just read, and you can think about, you know, going back, and we don't like to think about where we were before we came to Christ. But some of us were those things. Some of us were bound in those sins. Some of us, we, we enjoyed the, the things of the world and all of the stuff of the world. But it says this, some of you were these things, but, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Spirit of God. Thank God I'm not what I used to be. Can you say amen? He could take a drunkard this morning and he can clean you up. He can take a person that's caught in a, in a fornication and pornography world out there and he can clean you up and he can justify you. He can sanctify you. He can fill you with his Spirit. And the difference between the love God and the real God is the love God doesn't care but the real God cares that righteousness and goodness begins in your life at Calvary that your life is changed that sin is broken that the desire of the flesh begins to come down and the desire after Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior begins to build in our life and here's the return verse 20 Here's the apodate, give unto God those things which belong to God. Verse 20, for you were bought with a price. Another scripture, Paul says the same thing, you were bought with a price, you're not your own. You were bought with a price, then glorified God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to to God. I'm just simply giving back what already belongs to Him. I'm bought with a price this morning. There's something different about me than my next door neighbor if he doesn't know the Lord. And it's not that we're not just both humans. It's not that we're struggling with the struggles of life. But I've been bought with a price this morning. I'm not my own. I've been purchased from death and the power of sin and the grave and hell. I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Acts, the 20th chapter and 28th verse, it said we were, we were purchased by his own blood that he shed for you and I. And that blood is good enough, my friend, no matter who you are and what you are and where you've been, that blood can purchase you, redeem you, save you from the power of sin and death. Can the church say amen? Jesus says, show me a coin. Whose image is on it? I could ask you to show me a coin this morning or any kind of denomination of United States currency. And on there is going to be 
the dead. Sometimes they say dead presidents are on the, all, of the, all of the bills, on many of the coins. They've printed an image on each coin, on each bill, so we'll know that it stands for these United States and those that blaze the way. We don't put traitors on there. We don't put those that, that have, have uh, misused our freedoms in our country. But usually deceased presidents, more important persons. And so our life cycle is we get up in the morning and we go out to earn paper and coins that have actually, actually no value. The, the, the silver coins and stuff you have, they're, they're of no value. There's no silver in them. They quit that a long time ago. So you're just getting pot metal. You're getting paper, paper with printing on it. And we go out and spend our life hammering away to see how much paper we can get and how many, how many dollars we can put in place. And we earn this money, and, but I've got something sad to tell you. It already belongs to the dead presidents. It already belongs to the government. You're just using it. Do you understand? If you take some dollars out this morning and look at them, they don't belong to you. Your image is not on them. It belongs to them. Whoever them is. We're finding out. We're finding out who they are. It's, it's becoming apparent who they are. It's their money, their stuff. In fact, if they want to, they just pass another order to spend another trillion dollars. And, and how do they get that trillion dollars? They go collecting. They want back what is theirs. It's got their name on it. It's got their pictures on it. And you're going to give it back. And it's called taxes. Everybody that likes taxes, you're in the wrong place. You earn that dollar, you got the, got the picture on there, whether that's Lincoln or, or whether that's George Washington. I mean, those up, we, we like to get the bigger bills, and, and that's, that's real good. But, but then comes the federal tax, the income tax. Then comes the state income tax, and then comes the FICA tax. And the EDD tax. Here comes the health tax. And you got to like this. It was illegal for them to collect money against you because you didn't have health insurance. But if you go to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court will define that health insurance as a tax. And so now we can collect that from you. And for years, I paid back money for health insurance that I didn't have. How does that make sense? And then comes the lands tax, the sales tax, the school bond tax, the gas tax, the DMV tax, the luxury tax, the inheritance tax, the capital gains tax, the motel tax, the dump fee tax. 
can't believe it. We take our trailer full of junk out to the dump. They're not only paying the dump free, they give us the whole thing. You're paying a tax on being able to dump garbage. It's beautiful. Recycle tax. You're going to pay five cents for every one of those bottles and cans, and you're going to get about one cent back. And where do you think that money's going? Right back to the people who has their image on it. We found out the other day, went into pay less lumber. It's been a while back now. I'm sorry, we have to put a green lumber tax on now. Oh, that's not sales tax. That's a tax beyond sales tax. So you're going to get taxed, but we're, we're doing a green lumber tax. Somebody please explain that to me. All the lumber I get is green. But now we get a tax on it. Let me say this. The Lord looking at that inscription, superscription image that was on that coin is not validating. He's not endorsing taxation. And that's how we've took this to mean. Well, what the Lord means is you need to pay taxes. Well, where does it end? I mean, they said of a dollar, if you paid all these taxes on there, you would have nothing. Is the Lord into taxes? Somebody said, man, I'll tell you what, paying your taxes is really Christian-like. Well, I don't know that for sure, but you better pay your taxes because you end up in a bad place. But I think if you, if you believe that what the Lord is trying to do here is say, pay your taxes, then you've missed the point. Obeying the laws of the land is good. Live peaceably, Paul says, live peaceably and, 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 and obey the orders as much as lies within you because, because it's going to be better for you to obey the laws of the land. I'm not here to obey laws of the land. I'm here to obey a higher law. And that law is God's law. And where those conflict, and we just came into that this last year, the government says you're not going to meet. It is against the law for you together, together. But I've got a higher law that says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And so I go to the higher law because the, the lesser law, it may be good. They may have their reasons. They may have reasons for telling Jesus that you just broke the law. Your, your disciples walked through the field and they there they ate some, some corn out of that field and didn't wash their hands. They have broken the law. You just raised a man up and healed a withered arm of a man on the Sabbath and you broke the law. You healed a blind man. You took dirt and spit in it and made mud and put it in the blind man's eyes. And you broke the law on a Sabbath. There's a law that's higher, and it's a law of goodness. It's a law of godliness. It's a law of purity. And so where the law goes awry, I stay with the law of God. What belongs to God needs to go to God. The emphasis here. It's not in support of Caesar. The emphasis here is not in support of social law and social justice. The emphasis here is that's what goes on in the world. 
and the money that you earn, look at it. It belongs to them. But let me tell you this. There's a higher law and there's a higher power. There's a higher calling on your life than just doing the menial. And that's fleshly and that's worldly. But God's got something that is so much more powerful in your life. And that is giving things back to him. Can you say amen? See, God's intention for mankind is that he breathes into you the breath of life. I love it when little children are born. It's so beautiful. You cannot be in the room where a child is born and not be thinking about, wow, God just gave that life. I mean, it it just overwhelms you. It's not, well, it's just natural. It's just, no. When they take that first breath... It's like, thank you, Lord. Everything could go right all the way through, but if they don't take that first breath and God breathes into that vessel the breath of life and they become a living soul. That's why we hate abortion so bad is they've cut off the life before God is able to breathe that first breath into them and they become this this, this individual, this person that God has ordained to live on this planet and to walk on this planet. But not only that, God has designed that that life comes back to him. He never designed for people to go to hell. He never designed for people to be in destruction and perish in their life. He doesn't intend for people to perish, but he wants everyone to come back to him. Can you say amen? So his intention for mankind is to give life and to get it back. to give life in an infant child. And when that child has grown into an adult and is laying on its deathbed and breathes that last breath of life out, exactly like Christ on the cross, I commend my spirit to you And he breathed his last breath out. This was the intention of God. Is that God gives us life. And we go through life. And whatever happens around me, we have so many different things going on with our lives. And and we have different employments. We have different objectives and things that we, we try to do in life. But in it all. God has ordained that you serve him. God has ordained that you live that life towards him and that you give that life back to him. Can the church say amen? I thought it was notable. This setting of scripture about give me the the denarius is found in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. And I read Luke this morning. Could have read Matthew or Mark, either one. But I thought it was notable that in Mark and Matthew that this conversation continued. It wasn't just over after he said, give to God the things that are God's. The conversation wasn't over. In fact, if you follow it in in Matthew and Mark, it's going to get to the Shema. I thought, well, that's, that's really interesting. Because give the things back to God ends up in the Shema. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength. How does it get there? 
because we're giving back to God that which he has given to us. And so the end of this conversation is not a coin. It's not taxes. That's not the end of the conversation. The end of the conversation is the Shema, that you give back. This is the duty of man. If there is one duty that's described in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it would be thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul and all thy strength. And so it takes us to the most important directive of mankind, and that is the Shema. Give back. To God, what belongs to Him. You'll never give back to God if you don't love Him. You'll never give back. You'll look at the things that Christians do in in church and all that. You'll wonder about it. You just don't understand it. Why are they doing all that? Why do they act that way? I, I don't get it. Because unless you love the Lord with all your heart, you don't understand what it is to give back to Him. So now I want to go to Luke, and one of the reasons why, and you could could switch over here if you want to, the 21st chapter, and it's the first verse. This conversation in Luke goes all the way through to the 21st verse, and so this is interesting. I'm going to touch on this this morning. It's something that I don't usually do, but I think it's a good time. Chapter 21, and looking up, he saw those putting their gifts into the treasury. Hmm, Okay, wait a minute. In this same conversation, it's going to come to giving. That giving is important to God. You may not think it is. You might be one of those that believes that God doesn't expect anything out of you. But the Lord looks up and he sees people giving and what they're giving and how they're giving and how it's being done. And he sees the rich ones putting in their, their money, flashy, making a making a scene and putting in big money. And then he sees a little woman who has hardly anything at all. And she's hiding it in her hand so that nobody will even know. And she drops that in the treasury. And Jesus says, that woman right there. And the disciples are looking at that woman right there. She knows what it is to give to God. Somebody say amen. Not out of abundance. It's not out of overabundance that I'm going to give to God. But but Jesus said she gave because of her need that's in her life. Listen, I want to tell you something this morning if you have need in your life it isn't time to scrunch down and give up and quit giving and quit doing and quit honoring God it's time to say God I want you to take notice of even my small gift this morning take notice of what I have I may not have much but God I'm going to give to you I found out in my life a long time ago when I was a young man and made a dedication in my heart some of you here have done that some of you have set some parameters about what you're going to do and how you're going to give. And I found out a long time ago, I'm going to give to God, whether it hurts, whether I'm broke, whether things don't go well, whether I go into bankruptcy, whether I lose my job, whether I abound. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with my love for my God. And I'm going to give to Him. And I'm going to bless Him. So I might as well touch on it this morning. Say, well, this is what preachers do. They preach about money because they get all the money. Well, this one doesn't. God said in the Old Testament, and the tithe belongs to me. 
bless the Lord, we don't live in the Old Testament. Thank God, you know, we're delivered from having any kind of attachment like that. Man, I've talked to those. I've heard those. Doesn't make sense to me, though. God said in the beginning that you come and give the tithe to me. It will represent the whole. It will represent your whole week. Now, that's amazing, but this, this is the promise of God. If you give to me just the tithe, it's going to look like you gave the whole thing. And, and so, you know, that was good Old Testament stuff. They got in there and they gave the tithe in the Old Testament. But thank God we're under grace now. We don't have to do anything anymore. Do you still work all week? Do you still receive money from your employer? then God expects a return on the money that he's allowing you to earn. I'm just going to be real real firm about this this morning because, because there's a lot of people that say a lot of things and go a lot of directions, and you know what? That's good for them. God bless them. We're just not doing that in this church. I believe I have an obligation that God got me up in the morning, put that breath in my lungs, and I got out there and had strength, and I hammered nails, and I finished concrete. And when I got done that day, I said, Thank you, Lord, for a good day. Thank you, Lord, for a good life. Thank you, Lord, for a paycheck. And I'm going to come and give unto God that which belongs to Him. It's that simple. Tithing. What does tithing mean? Tithing is, I didn't have it, and now I do. We're not talking about losses. We're not talking about, you know, things going through business and coming out. You, that make it real easy. You didn't have it. Now you do. Does everybody understand tithing? Well, I don't tithe on this and that and the other, and you know, a lot of things. Listen, that's that just God is looking for people who are cheerful givers this morning. Let me tell you something the program of God's going to go on no matter who does what. Any certain individual, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how you feel or what you are with, with what you do with your money. But I want to tell you this God's program is going on, and I'm going to be a part of that program. Can you say amen? And so God still wants what belongs to Him. Six days you shall work. The seventh is a Sabbath to you. There again, Pastor, that's Old Testament. And so we don't, you know, going to church now is just a choice. If we want to, we do. If we don't, we don't. We get up in the morning, want to go on a picnic. We want to go on a bike ride. We want to do whatever. It's just all optional. I don't feel that way. I feel like God gives me a week to work and then I come back and I'm going to worship him on a Sunday morning. It belongs to him. The house of the Lord and the people of God, it's not optional. And if I can't give at least that much to him, I haven't even come up to the commitment of people in an Old Testament time who didn't know the Lord and Savior and who didn't even, couldn't even have what we have. They could only look 
forward to what we had. And my commitment to God, it's going to outlast that kind of a thing. And, and what they did in the Old Testament and, and, and what went on there, I want my commitment to be that I'm going to give back to my God from what he gave to me. Can you say amen? So sometimes that changes our future. I never wanted to be a preacher. The Lord knows this, and some of you knew me before I was a preacher. See, Brother Chuck, back then he knew me when I was a kid. I don't want to be a preacher. I just want to be a help. But see, sometimes when you give back to God, you're not doing what you want. You're doing what he wants. And so I want to take you to something that changed the Apostle Peter's life. It was found in John, the 21st chapter. I want to look at the setting for a little bit. How that when God, you give back to God, it's going to change your future a little bit. Oh, you're still a working man. You're still a family man. But God's going to change some things in your future when you give back to him. So John, the 21st chapter, and need to clarify a little bit of what happened here. The disciples of Jesus were in a tough place. They didn't know where Jesus was. They, he had risen. And they were meeting together, and then finally um, Peter, spokesman Peter, said, I'm going fishing. And um, the other one said, we're going with you. Now, this definitely isn't anything about fishing fishing being wrong. In fact, I think it's good because the Lord showed up there. But Peter says, I go fishing because his life really hasn't changed that much until he gives it back to God. So in his desire is to go back, go back in his business. He had a fishing business. He had a boat and probably didn't sell that during his time of traveling with Jesus. Probably the boat was still there, and that's probably the boat that they got on and went out fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And they're fishing away. And they fished all night, and they have caught goose egg. I understand that. I love hunting. I love fishing. And a lot of times I come home goose egg. Unless I'm with Charlie. And he hands me his pole because there's a fish on his. But they fished all night. They catch nothing. How irritating is that? Here they're going to go back to providing for their families, and they're coming home with zero, no paycheck, no nothing. And so Jesus shows up on the shore, and, and, and the shore there, and he's got a little fire going. He's got some... Uh, Fish on there and some, I think they had some loaves and whatnot there. 
Right. Children, have you any meat? Uh, no, we haven't caught anything. We got nothing out here, and we didn't even bring lunch. And they begin, it begins to dawn on them who it is over on the shore. And uh, Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. It's like, okay, how wide is a boat? Eight feet? We're fishing over here, but if we put it eight feet over here, what difference is that going to make? But the thing is, Peter heard this before one time. And it was the time that Jesus was calling him to follow him. And the same thing happened, cast your nets out on the other side. And when they did, the nets were full of fishes so that the nets broke. And so Peter just, he's heard this before. Wow, you know, deja vu here. Something's happening. Okay, let's throw them on the other side. They get their nets up, pull them all out, throw them on the other side. And the nets are full of fishes. It dawns on Peter and John, <laughs> this is the Lord. That, that's who that is over there, see on the beach. They're waiting by the little fire. That's the Lord. So Peter got, he got all excited, and he, he, he did cover himself. I don't know what he was fishing in. It says he was naked. I think it probably just a loincloth or something. And uh, he put on a, and he jumped in the water and went swimming, came to Jesus. Well, the other boats. They just pulled in all the netting, and they brought it to shore, and they began to pull it up. And there's a, an amazing thing that happened here. I don't know, you Bible scholars might help me with this, but they brought in 153 big fishes plus the little ones. And so I have most of my life, I've wondered, what in the world could that mean? Why 153? You know, we do numerology in the Bible, and there's a lot of numbers that match up and different things. You know, somebody, little Rob was telling me that. He said, Pop, he says, man, I found out this 40-day thing. It's, it's all through there. I said, yeah, you know, it's 40 years, 40 days, you know, and, and, and Jesus fasting 40 days and people in Israel, uh, you know, 40 days in the land of Canaan, all that. I said, yeah, yeah, so 153, I'm thinking, you know, where does that go? I've looked through Scripture. I can't find anything. Why 153 fish and plus the little ones? And so the Lord kind of speaks in my spirit. says, I don't think it's about fish. I think it represents money. Okay. Let's go to, to uh, online sources and see what kind of fish are in the Sea of Galilee. Well, they have a fish there, and it's called a biny fish. He's from 13 to 15 pounds. He's the fish that they favor for the Sabbath feast. So, okay, this is, this is good. Now we're getting somewhere. Got 153 of those. And, but I want to compare this financially. Let's just go on today's prices. Today's price is at about $8 a pound for fish, depending on what you buy. Fresh fish. And so if we compare that to then, it probably, you know, was a minute scale of that. But yet, according to their earning, let's say it was approximately the same. So $8 a pound of fish, and uh, 
153 of these biny fish, and they had whiskers. They almost looked sort of like a catfish, sort of. They're from 13 to 15 pounds. We're going to give an approximate value on that fishing trip of $15,000. That says something different to me. Now I understand what the Lord is trying to do. Peter, do you love me more than these? And I believe he's talking about the pile of fish that are going to market and going to end up on the Sabbath day table. That's a pretty good catch. I could take 15000 for going fishing. All I've ever done is lost money fishing. Now Peter is going to have to make a choice. See, it's not about a few little fishes. He also had sardines there too. And so they ate the sardines. Jesus said, bring the little ones. We'll eat the little ones. So they brought the little. They also catch sardines in, in the Sea of Galilee. So they brought those. Everybody likes sardines. I know I like go can sardines. I don't like to smell them, but I like them, and they're good. And they ate those, and then Jesus says, okay, okay, Peter, do you love me more than these? Lord, you know that I love you. Isn't it amazing? He didn't, he didn't qualify it by saying, Lord, I love you more than these. Is Lord, you know I love you. Very dear to me, Lord, you are. Okay. Pastor my sheep. Wow, I'm a fisherman. I can't do that. I'm a carpenter. I'm a concrete man. I don't know how to do that. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Time number two. Feed and take care of my little lambs. Peter, do you love me? The third time Peter's now getting angry, you know Peter can do that. A little perturbed. Lord, why you keep asking me this? You know that I love you. You know that I do. Then Peter, feed my sheep. And they're going to take you where you don't want to go when you get old. He's got a choice before him now. Is he going to give to God or is he going to give to the flesh? Is he just going to support the, the thing that he likes to do and, and his business and his family, which is good. That, that's all good. Or is the Lord demanding of him, give back to me? I didn't take you out there for three years on the evangelistic trail for nothing. You were already fishing. I could have left you here. I didn't take you out there and show you that the lepers are cleansed and the dead are raised and people's lives are changed. I didn't take you out there for that reason, Peter. That's not what I did for you. But what I did for you was to show you that there's another life that I expect that you would want to be part of. And so now Peter has to make a decision in his life. Now I'm going to say this to everybody that's here this morning. Am I going to give back to God what is his, or am I going for the money? Am I going for the fish? Am I going for the business? Am I going for those things that are going to help me and promote me? Or really, am I in the promotion of the kingdom of God? 
Man, I mean, we can quote those little old scriptures. And Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things be added to you. And we capitalize on the last part, all these things added to you. Instead of, Lord, here's my life. I mean, I don't know how the Christian church got to where it's at. The Christian church believes that God is this Santa Claus in heaven that just gives goodies out to everybody unless you're on the bad list. And he just gives goodies to everybody and everything's good and it's just love and just joy and peace. And, and, and really God all the time is demanding something of us and that is you give back to me what I give to you. Can you say amen? Thank God that Peter made the right choice. Thank God we had a pastor of the early church. Thank God we had a writer in the New Testament. Thank God that we had one who went to, they said, history said that he was crucified upside down and his martyrdom talked about here. Peter, are you willing to give back to God or do you just want to take it all yourself? And I believe as Christians, that's, that's a good question for us. Last week I talked about give, give glory to God, and that's pretty easy for us. We can give glory to God. But can we give of ourself, of our time, of our effort, of our money to the promotion of the kingdom of God? Can anybody, anybody still left here that can say amen? All right. And we're closing. Lord Jesus, you've given me life. You've given me talents. You've given me favor and blessing. And now I give that back to you. I think sometimes we're a little scared. If we give back to God, he's going to take too much. It all belongs to him to start with. It's all his. It's on loan. Your talents are on loan. They come from God. Your blessing is on loan. It comes from God. Your bank account is on loan. It comes from God. And so I need to look at him full face this morning and say, Lord, I'm ready whatever it is in my life, whatever it is about me, the direction you want to take my life, the direction you want to take my family, I submit that, I surrender that, and I give it all back to you, Jesus, Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Would you come up, uh, musicians? And Lord, what a good day it is when we finally realize that holding out on you isn't going to work. The giving back to you is going to work. So we make rededication this morning, Lord. We surrender ourselves again. We could say this a lot of ways. We could preach a lot of different sermons about the same thing. But, Lord, you took a coin, and that coin had a superscription of Caesar on it. You said, give that back to Caesar, but give back to God what belongs to God. So we just pray this morning, Lord, that everybody that heard us this morning will think on these things. Not always just an, an immediate knee jerk to the Word of God, but think on these things. Think on them. Think on them. God, implemented in our life, Lord. Implemented in our life. 
God, call us to your kingdom, Lord. God, call us to your things, O oh Lord, that are greater than ours. And we give back to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.